0: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco. Today, I'm joined by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. Our weekly film review episode, it is time to put the first half of the season behind us, the disaster that ensued at Paul Brown stadium on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns behind us. And, you know, everybody's being real negative right now, Mike, and I get it on the one hand, you know, you don't want to go into the bye week playing the last five quarters of Bengals football that they've played. And it's really easy to go back to the Jets game and say, you know what, if they finish that play, they make one more play in that game. They're six and three can make the same argument about penalties at the end of the game and the Jets game and the Bears game. And then you could even look at this Browns game and say, you know, if they had played better in that first quarter and they hadn't just given, as Zach Taylor told us, you know, 16 to 20 points to the Cleveland Browns to start the game, maybe we're singing a bit of a different tune right now. But all of that said and turnovers aside, there were still some positives to take away from this game and plenty of problems. We'll talk about those too. Some of them are self-explanatory. So we're not going to get into Burroughs interceptions today because they're just bad throws. There's, there's not a whole lot going on there to be honest that, you know, he misses his placement by a few feet. There weren't major protection busts in this game that require a lot of exploration or analysis. There's one play in particular on play action where Drew Sample just doesn't notice there's a corner blitz coming or they don't get it picked up right. Um, And Miles Garrett did some things. We'll talk about the Miles Garrett matchup a little bit later. But again, I think the biggest positive to talk about in this game, outside of some individual performances that we're going to get to in segment three, are that the scripted plays went really well for this team the Bengals had two drives to start the game the pick six obviously not the way you want to end the drive but they essentially score two touchdowns so they're at least knocking on the door they score 10 points if not for the pick six on their first two drives and I thought a lot of the yards when I went back and looked you have like a nice design on the flea flicker you have some some dragon concept uh, a couple of times early where they're running flats and slants taking advantage of pre-snap alignment getting free yards and I thought it was one of the better couple scripted play kind of openings we've seen from this team. And they just didn't all, you know, the pick six really threw things for, for a loop.
2: Yeah. And I remember I thought this was the best scripted play series that the Bengals had up until the sack and that got called back. And then it's an interception for a touchdown. And then one of the worst, because you gave points to the other team, but really looking at the process to get there, they did a really good job, and I thought they did a good job playing on their own tendencies, too. Um, one of the first plays of the game, they like to run wide juke, which is the play that they haven't run in a while, and uh, this is a play that Burrow throws the interception and in Green Bay in overtime, so I think that's part of the reason why they kind of stopped running it a little bit. But you run a slot fade, so you have a hitch from the most outside. Second guy inside is going to run a fade. And the Browns knew this was coming. And so Higgins starts going deep, sells the deep route. Troy Hill matches him, and then he curls it back inside and just wide open on that because Hill was fully expecting him to just keep running the slot fade. and He was on top of it, so he had it covered. Uh, then you had the motion into four by one empty, throw the flat screen, the mix-in. I thought that was a good design.
1: I love I th- that one. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and, and let me just interject real quick because... What you get pre-snap, when you have the motion, nobody goes with Mixon. You very clearly see you have three over four, and it just sets up for a perfect screen. And if your wide receivers execute the blocks, which they did, then you have free yards. And there were some more examples of of identifying easy matchups and free yards in those first couple drives, too.
2: Yeah, I'd almost want to see what Stanley Morgan's blocking grade was because I thought he did a really good job in the game. Cause there was another play wineback which is basically counter without a pooler that he was the lead blocker on motion. <laughs> he took his guy downfield and opened that one up too. So he had some good plays. Um, I've
1: got it here for you. His run blocking yeah. grade, which I think includes the screen. I, I'm pretty sure they lumped these together was by far the highest on the team. <laughs> 80, 86.1, which the next closest Riley reef, they actually thought he had a pretty nice game. Uh, 75 for him. So really uh positive remarks from pff for stanley morgan and the the lineback play is a great example and the, and the screenplay he also did a great job
2: yeah yeah he he had the guy that was pressed up that's why i'm thinking of him that's right because he took the guy that could actually blow up that play the other two i mean even if, if they mess if they miss their blocks Mixon has you know, time to do something
1: he didn't he didn't even press I'm i'm looking at it right now it was denzel ward and he just triggers fastest. He gets oh, okay. downhill immediately. So they're they're flat. All the corners are flat, but only one of them gets downhill. And I think maybe it's not Denzel Ward. Maybe it's 23. Maybe yeah, I'm not seeing number That's right. Doesn't, it yeah, Troy Hill. That makes more sense to put on Morgan Stanley and the Stanley Morgan in the slot anyway. Anyway, he triggers downhill immediately and is going to blow it up if that isn't a really good block.
2: Yeah, the I mean. This is all on the first drive, all these nice plays. They had a cross screen, makes, and makes a one-handed catch, probably unnecessarily, but <laughs> gets upfield, makes a guy miss, runs hard. Uh, you get the flea flicker on the first drive of the, drive of the game. And, I mean, good design on that. I think that might be the same play that John Ross yeah. way back scored on because it's the jet motion to a wheel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, T. Higgins isn't John Ross' speed, but he got matched with a linebacker, so <laughs> same result. Can throw right. it over the top. Uh, then you have the pick six, and that didn't go well. But uh, one other
1: play I really liked on that drive before the pick six was was that dragon idea that I talked about before oh, yeah, we started yeah. talking about this segment. They motion mixing out of the backfield, mm-hmm. and the the safety walks down over him, and and then they just run a little slant. They get bail technique from uh, Greg Newsom or not Greg Newsom? Yeah, Greg Newsom. Anyway, yeah, the, the Northwestern corner rookie who is a pretty good player. And as soon as he opens his hips and and Burrow sees that the safety goes with mixing in motion to the flat, that's just a free slant. And, and there's nothing there to stop it. And the Bengals get, what, uh, 18, 15-yard gain. And, and that's just, again, identifying, based on a pre-snap read and pre-snap motion,
2: some free yards. Yep. And, I mean... It really felt early that they were just ready for the Browns defense. They were marching up and down the field. You had that play, and then – so you have the pick six, and we won't harp on it too much. I don't think anything was really open. I thought Denzel Ward just played the ball really, really well. Um, But then you have the second drive, and this is where crack toss. They ran it twice, and they both worked really well. One was for a touchdown, and the other one was a nice, I think a 10-yard gain to the right, right. and then – the uh, other one was a touchdown to the left, and they didn't even get fantastic blocking on the touchdown, but Mixon just does that little inside juke outside mm-hmm. and the cornerbacks gas- grasping at air. Uh, I mean, yeah, he had the de- the delay flat on the second drive. That was in there uh, where Sample blocks this guy and then releases out on the boot, and it's an easy 15 right. 15- yard gain I think to Sample so
1: and, and let me ask you about that one because this play I also clipped this play last night this play features jet motion from T Higgins which I think helps a lot it gets the entire defense going left uh Drew Sample on the play lined up at right tight end he releases into that flat as you point out and this play isn't always successful they've run this play action tight end flat a few times and a lot of the times you'll see opposing teams sit on it they the Browns sat on it when they ran this play to cj uzama as well but on this particular play with the jet motion uh and, and the route combination looks like it the, the browns are playing off there's nobody covering the flat is this something that works because the browns are in a coverage that doesn't prioritize the flat or is it the route combination that puts that corner in conflict or, or what are your thoughts there
2: my thoughts are the linebackers really really fell for this one and i think the reason is that the bengals pulled I believe it was adenergy from right to left. So when you're a linebacker, you're keying right. from the guards to the back. So he gets you get the look of play action from the toss to the back, and yeah. then you get identity as well pooling. And they don't really run a lot of that type of protection. So it plays on their own tendencies. Like I was saying, they don't really do that that often. So the yeah. linebackers see that and they go sprinting over there. And then, like you said, yeah, they're playing off. They're in cover three on that play. So you have the one safety has to follow, uh, well, actually, there was nothing to hold him, but he just kind of drops back, kind of like a spot drop. I'm going to take away, I mean, a lot of times when you run these boots, it's kind of like a flood concept, which right. means you have deep route, intermediate, shallow. So he's like, okay, there's probably some type of crosser coming my way, so let me get in a good position to take that. And then at basically at the line of scrimmage is Drew Sample just running that little delay flat. Right. So. And Uzama
1: did run a little bit of a corner on that route that helps. Another play that I want to point out is the Bengals got uh, Jamar Chase against press man a little bit later. This doesn't result in in a catch, but Burrow goes back shoulder. I thought he could have thrown it over the top, but the tendency here is Joe Burrow's reading that safety on Jamar Chase's side of the field, and Jamar Chase is isolated on the right side. They have trips on the left. As soon as that safety takes a step down, looking like he's trying to play robber a little bit, he triggers. And and the ball's out to Chase, which is something that you're going to continue to see, uh, I think, all year. Because Joe Burrow's always going to take Jamar Chase in a vertical when he has a one-on-one <laughs> opportunity. But uh, that it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Obviously, that play falls incomplete. They had some issues as well on the defensive side of the ball. And we're going to talk about some of those explosive plays and what went wrong coming up next. Thanksgiving's coming up and i'm excited for my version of a thanksgiving feast even though i'm in canada i still try to prioritize american thanksgiving and get myself a nice meal all the good food all the treats and maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar well built bar we've told you about it all the time it's the new holiday dessert get something delicious and feel good about it don't have a 300 calorie slice of pie well, or do you know that's up to you, but if you don't want to have that 300 calorie slice of pie, built bars just about three 130 calories, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, plenty of protein. There's a coconut cream pie built bar, or sorry, a coconut built bar that can replace a coconut cream pie, a raspberry built bar that'll replace a raspberry pie, low in calories, low in carbs, low in fat, high in protein, covered in 100% real chocolate and make sure you keep an eye on built.com the built bar website for black Friday specials use promo code lock 15. When you check them out, you'll save 15% off your order. Again, that's lock 15 for 15% off at
3: built.com. This lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home, but I'll be honest. I haven't been consistent. That is until I found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Mike, we've been positive after the Bengals got blown out against the Cleveland Browns because we got into the details of the first couple of drives of the game and they were good. They were good that being said, they had some issues and let's start with everybody's favorite topic run fits. The Browns are a team known with Bill Callahan to be well-versed in the wide zone, but this year as well as last year, really, they, they run their fair share of gap plays. In fact, they run more man blocking than zone blocking this year, according to PFF charting. And it seemed like, the Bengals got punched in the mouth a little bit when the Browns started running counter and they started running power. What, what went wrong?
2: So um, when there, there's two ways to play counter and we'll say that the main difference between power and counter for this exercise is that there's two poolers on counter, one pooler on power, essentially. Um, So when it comes to counter, there's two ways to play it and you could either spill or box and the old way to play it is to box it and that's what the Bengals do here and the reason you're going to box it is because you're in single high so your helps inside so you're trying to funnel everything inside the issue is in my opinion the issue is that you need everybody to be right you need the end man on the line to perfectly same shoulder same foot gladiator technique which is using the blocker as like a shield and think of his arm outside as like a sword keep that inside kind of force that cut down that hole. And I thought they actually did a pretty good job on that. It was Pratt a lot of the times, but then on the other hand, you need the three technique. He's got to have to do a better job of holding up the little combo double because that was one issue, especially on the 70 yard touchdown. That was a power play, but still he just bumps him right over a gap and he's up on Wilson almost immediately. Uh, That was Will's that did that. And, you need him to just stay strong in his gap. And when he goes to bump him, give him a lot of resistance, maybe grab him, but you know, try not to get called for holding. (laughs) It's a free five yards. I would take it over 70, but, um, and you need Wilson to scrape over top fast and recognize. And the way the Bengals played it, they had him head up with the center, not on the line of scrimmage backed up called a zero, zero type of technique for a linebacker. But that's a long way to go to get all the way over on over top of the tackle and into the hole And then in the hole on the on the big touchdown was Jesse Bates trying to take on a puller, which is just what happens when you match 13 personnel with your nickel. So whatever. Um, But the other way to play it is to spill it. Now, as we're getting into the weeds, (laughs) uh, your run fits are going to match your coverage. So you want to play. Uh, quarters when you're going to spill. And this is something that happened way back in the 90s. Jimmy Johnson was the first person to start doing this. And he kind of killed this is football history. He kind of killed the Joe Gibbs counter hog offense by spilling everything. And the reason it works so well is that you only need like one guy to be right. And then everybody else just needs to flow to the ball. Instead of same shoulder, same foot taking on the blocker and trying to pound him and squeeze that hole down he goes wrong. It's called wrong arm technique, the opposite way where he just kind of cuts underneath the blocker. And usually when you're cutting underneath the first pooler, you end up messing up the second pooler. And now that whole thing's screwed up and they're trying to go outside. Cause you went inside and now you have time for your safeties to come down from over the top to try to make the stop. And It works really well in my opinion. I think it works better than trying to box them. And I understand a little bit of why you want to play single high against the Browns because they run a lot and you want guys in the box, but your safeties are in the box in this situation. They're kind of playing shallow quarters and they're just, you just need to buy time so that they can come down and try to make a play. So that's a a quick five minute explanation for what I think the Bengals should do next time they face the Browns because I was fully expecting them to play man gap schemes because that's what they did week two of last year. They they were in wide zone and then the bear front and DJ Reader were kind of taking that away and then they switched to power counter and those Wyatt Teller had a breakout game and they just realized hey why don't we pull these big hogs to <laughs> lead the way because they're really good at doing that.
1: Yeah. And on a number of occasions, there's a highlight reel of Wyatt Teller out there pancaking little dudes because <laughs> the Browns somehow got Wyatt Teller matched up against Jesse Bates and Mike Hilton and Von Bell. And, you know, there's one in there of Logan Wilson as well. And, and credit Wyatt Teller, he's a good player. He's a good pooler, but it, it makes sense to me to make that job a little bit harder. For the Browns if you can and I know it's challenging and to the Bengals credit later in the game when the Browns were still running power to try to kill the game when the game's really over at this point and it's Dearness Johnson and not necessarily Nick Chubb and I didn't notice if the Browns made any other substitutions the Bengals did start to play against it a little bit better but when you have Larry Joby getting through clean on a 70-yard touchdown run, missing a tackle in the backfield, you have Jesse Bates getting blown to smithereens by pulling Wyatt Teller and Eli Apple coming down from the single high safety spot because you have an extra defensive back on the field because Mike Hilton's on the field too against three tight ends. You know, that's not a good process. It won't always lead to a 70-yard touchdown. And maybe there's some tendency there, which is why the Bengals stayed in nickel against the 13 personnel maybe they're worried about those tight ends in the passing game but it's something that certainly needs to get cleaned up and and quick question just a yes or no maybe is this the same technique or the same problem they have with the Jets or were the Jets not running the same sort of concepts offensively and were the Bengals defending it differently
2: no I think the Jets that game more came down to they kind of singled up i don't want to throw him under the bus but they kind of singled up the linebackers with the running right. back and he just couldn't cover it in okay. the run game i don't think it was nearly as bad the only last thing I, I forgot to mention when talking about boxers to spill is that they also like to play from that three four look with five men on the line of scrimmage right and that leads to a lot of the box because you're play cover three cover one behind that so when you want to spill it you're going to get into like a four three which they do against the ravens same same stuff here even though they're using the quarterback run game you got those guys flowing, you have three right. guys flowing behind it rather than one or two. So I, I like doing that.
1: So maybe apply some principles from the Ravens power game against the Browns, which given this game makes a whole lot of sense. The the challenge then I guess becomes for Luana Rumo and his defensive front and the defensive front seven is well, how do you how do you deal with now the wide zone because you can't sell out to stop the gap when these teams are more of the Browns and the Ravens when these teams are so well versed and well coached and can run the wide zone with a guy like Nick Chubb who's you know very very good as we as we saw yesterday and I also want to talk about the the big play to Donovan Peoples Jones when he gets behind Eli Apple the, the quarters beater but we'll do that coming up next in addition to some individual matchups like Jonah Williams against Miles Garrett, how Hakeem Adeniji played in his first game. And did anyone else play well on defense? We'll get to that coming up next. And before we do that, just got to remind you about the get upside app. Everybody buys gas that has a vehicle. And if you have a vehicle and you're listening in your car, or you were the first podcast you listen to in the morning on your way to work, go ahead and save 25 cents. For every gallon of gas, every time you fill up using the get upside app, you can get it in the app store or Google play right now. We've got a promo code for you for the first time you fill up, use promo code NFL. You're going to save an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. No reason to pay full price at the pump when you can get money back for free. Using GetUpside and everybody loves free money. You can cash out anytime. You can get it back to your bank account. You can get it in PayPal. You can get an e-gift card. Very, very flexible stuff. So go check out the free get app. Use promo code Touchdown. You're gonna get 50 cents cash back on your first fill-up. Again, that's touchdown for 50 cents back on your first fill up with the GetUpside app.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, Mike. We went really long on the on the run fits, which is fine because, you know, it's, it's important. The Bengals are going to play the Browns again. They will have to deal with this again, and they will have to deal with this in the long term because I don't think Kevin Stefanski and Bill Callahan are going anywhere unless Brian manages to talk his dad into an early <laughs> retirement. <laughs> that said... Let's talk about the quarters beater, which really was just a vertical with a crosser underneath. Jesse Bates, in quarters, obviously, you have four defensive backs responsible for a quarter of the field. Eli Apple manned up on Donovan Peoples-Jones. And if you're watching on YouTube, Sands is holding up a drawing here. You can see the, the right wide receivers running like a skinny post kind of thing. Really a vertical with an inside lean. And they're running a crosser across the face of both of the safeties to try to occupy them and Jesse Bates on this particular play did the right thing Mike he, he goes with the crosser he's in very tight coverage but mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is reading Von Bell and as soon as Von Bell takes a step and there's a good move it's it's a little a little hazy move from Donovan Peoples Jones that that gets Eli Apple and uh Von Bell to bite up a little bit but as soon as he takes a step forward whether it's because of that st- whether it's because of that hezzy move or because of the crosser, Baker rips it to the vertical and, and Eli Apple has no help inside that he's expecting. Credit Baker Mayfield for a good throw under pressure, but what needs to happen differently there?
2: And don't forget, I believe it was also play action and when you're playing quarters, a lot of times your safeties are in the run fit, so that could also be a reason he to came be up fair, a little bit.
1: To credit the safeties, the safeties did not bite at all on the run fake on that <laughs> a particular play.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, Jesse Bates is a fantastic job. The thing in quarters is that when you look at it just like this on YouTube, you can see that you just have a bunch of zones and stuff. You just think like, oh, well, why did Eli Apple uh, or why wasn't Von Bell just deep? Because it, really, it's a bunch of rules. It's not so much of you're going to this area and just trying of watching.
1: I wait, mean, wait, sometimes wait. you are. You mean the NFL isn't like Madden where the players just go to the, the highlighted circles on the field? What do you, no, I can't be right.
2: <laughs> get in the Saban stuff and it's way more complicated, but just for this exercise, yeah, it's, um, when you get an inside release and a vertical, that means that side safety really, he has to stay over top because the cornerback is playing outside leverage and most of the time, they're either playing bail technique, which is susceptible a little bit to a deep shot like that, or they're um, walling it off and they see inside and they're like, OK, I have help to the inside. I can't give up like uh, some type of out route, a corner, anything like that. So when Von Bell doesn't help him over the top and it's a little bit on Eli Apple, you should be able to hopefully be able to recover against somebody I don't know. Maybe Donovan People Jones is really good and he's just waiting for Odell to leave. But against the guy. He's an
1: insane that, athlete. So I guess you yeah. got to credit him for that.
2: Well, is Eli Apple a good athlete too? I don't know. He was drafted high. <laughs> um, Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I'll check while you talk. Okay. You kind of hope that he can make the recovery speed and catch up to that. But really. It's it's kind of like a 50-50 blame and almost a little bit more towards Von Bell in my opinion. Eli Apple got crushed on Twitter for that play because he's the guy that's running with him. But Von Bell doesn't stay over the top. He doesn't he hardly even reacts to the vertical. It's a little bit of like a real skinny post or just an inside release go. Who knows? He gives a little bit of a move. Um, Eli Apple doesn't catch up to Donald Peoples Jones, who is big, long, and fast. And he doesn't have help from Von Bell, who by the rule, when that receiver over there goes. Inside release and vertical, you need to get over the top. Bates has that crosser. There's no need for him to stay with that crosser because of exactly what happens. Bates is perfectly covering the crosser. Eli Apple needs help and Von Bell is nowhere to be found. So just looking, comparing
1: 40 times, Eli Apple did run a four, four. He had a pretty poor 10 yard split to be fair. Donovan Peoples Jones ran a four, four, eight. So in terms of 40 times, Looks like Donovan Peoples-Jones is slower than Eli Apple, but again, there was that little double move, that little hezzy move that Apple bid on a little bit, and that creates enough separation. It was that uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones can jump out of a building like a 140-inch broad jump, 44-inch vertical. So, He's really explosive. crazy numbers there. The the explosiveness, yeah, and and that's probably what it is, right? You give that heazy move, you get out of the break, and use your explosiveness to get out of the break quickly, and. You know when when you get the additional help of the eye candy holding up Von Bell, you know tough tough job for Eli Apple there. But and also credit Baker Mayfield. I, I yesterday on the podcast on the post game show was a little bit like, yeah, Baker didn't really do anything. He had some easy plays and didn't have to do much. That was a great throw. He was he really it. good under pressure in that game. He got hit as he threw a couple times and delivered absolute seeds on that play on the Injoku touchdown pass. So, you know. Got to credit Baker a little bit, unfortunately. And for some reason, these seem to only happen against the (laughs) back.
2: It's always the get right game for him. Yeah. That quarters is supposed to be like a bracket almost on him, but it ends up when you don't bracket that ends up to being a busted coverage. So we're not going to talk about the fact that
1: Joe Burrow went for seven targeting (laughs) seven uh, targeting 20 plus yards downfield. One of those is a stone cold Jamar chase drop. The other one is a debatable Jamar chase drop. There's a T. Higgins debatable drop. There's, uh, you know, uh, maybe slightly misthrown ball on the run a 50 yard post to Jamar Chase. We're not going to talk about those, um, although you could. We won't. Miles <laughs> Garrett against Jonah Williams. Let's finish on a couple positive notes here. I thought Jonah he, he did give up a sack and and maybe you vertical set it. Maybe you just give him some help, uh, but he had been handling Miles Garrett pretty well for a lot of the game. And and you went through and and clipped a bunch of these plays and you seem to be pretty encouraged with how Jonah Williams played against probably the best edge rusher in the NFL. Maybe, maybe at least
2: top two. Yeah. um, For my money, best edge rusher in the NFL, especially pass rushing. And yeah, the the thing that's impressive to me is that he wasn't getting some win off of miles Garrett, just doing not giving full effort or anything like that. It's that he's playing with patience And he's not freaking out. He's on an island with the best edge rusher in the league in a wide nine technique that knows he's pass rushing. And he just, he sets. He's, Miles Garrett waits on the first play. I'm thinking of Miles Garrett's waiting for him to throw out his hands because he wants to swipe and get around the outside. And he just keeps waiting. They're playing the waiting game and Miles Garrett throws out his swipe first. And Jonah's able to lock him up after that. Then there's another play where Garrett tries to bull rush him because Everybody was trying to say that Jonah Williams doesn't have the anchor to take on guys like that, and he does. He he, he takes on that. It's the long arm a little bit that gives him some trouble sometimes with his sh- shorter reach, but he takes on a two-handed bull rush, and then Garrett tries to counter inside, and he stays with that and forces him, just pushes him up in the pocket, gives Burrow space. And these are all – I think he might have had a chip from Joe Mixon on one of these, which accounts for a little bit. You can't go sprinting around the outside on that one play. But, I mean, it, it's not – it's not like real help from an offensive lineman or anything. So he's on the Island a third time with him. And this time I think was the play. He got help because Garrett tries to make a little spin move inside and he's just mirroring him inside to outside, keeping up with the lateral agility of miles Garrett. And all of this is just the process is there that Jonah Williams just having a fantastic game against the best edge rusher in the league. And then miles Garrett just has alien levels of get off and bend yeah. to go completely flat. 90 degree turn. And get a sack and a pressure; those were the two clear losses I had for Williams. So, other than those two plays, and you kind of take that against somebody like Miles Garrett. I mean, Laramie Tunsil last year got beat by him for a sack. I think it might have been a strip sack. It just it just happens. <laughs> but uh, other than that, fantastic job. Miles Garrett is getting his against pretty much everyone he
1: plays, and you take that from Jonah Williams. And really, the offensive line protection on the whole was pretty good early. And then things get away from them and their drop back passing team. And nobody's going to hold up against the Browns for long. If you're straight drop back passing their defense is built to beat you when the Browns have a lead and they got a lead early. Generally, the Browns built to beat you when they have a lead. Before we wrap up, let's talk Hakeem Adenergy and Jermaine Pratt. Hakima Adenergy, according to Zach Taylor, is going to get another opportunity to start coming out of the bye. A surprise to some didn't have great marks from PFF jackson carmen the second round pick apparently if he's healthy and i guess we're not entirely clear on that maybe he's still laboring has lost his job to the bengal six-round pick from 2020 and the coaches to be fair were very high on H- Hakim deneji in the preseason before he had his pec injury but just one week uh well i guess technically three weeks of practice they use the entire period with the i believe but uh, one week on the active roster, and Adeniji takes his job. What did you see from Akeem Adeniji in this game?
2: Well, there's definitely some rust, and that I think attributes to the poor PFF grade. Uh, you, there's a play where he jump sets, and he gets kind of shook <laughs> a little bit by the defensive tackle. He gets him initially, but then the defensive tackle yeah. little fake inside, and then he gets beaten on that play. If you wanted to watch it, uh, Riley Reef absolutely pancakes. Jadavian Clowney, so i thought that was awesome that was
1: the uh 50 yard throw on the run for joe burrow uh, just that, missed
2: yeah couple feet off
1: anyway continue
2: um other than that though jackson carmen always seemed to have a problem with his hand placement and his balance and things like that i didn't see so much of a process problem with the Adeniji. like there's obviously a little bit of issue where he's I talk about Jonah Williams being calm and I don't think Hakeem Adeniji was the same way. <laughs> I think you could tell he was making his first start and all year and there's rust there and he's probably a little bit nervous. So he's, he's kind of a little bit more jittery. So you got to work that out, but I think that comes with time. Um, he just has to do a better job of knowing what the pass rusher wants to do to him. And then other than that though, his hand placement's actually pretty good. They jump set him a lot and they did that last year too. So that's weird, but, I mean, if it works, okay. Um overall, I thought I think it's tight, but I think Kimedenji was slightly better process-wise than Jackson Carmen. So I understand the decision.
1: Not the worst problem to have a couple of young guys competing, hopefully making each other a little bit better. Let's finish up with Jermaine Pratt, one of the only Bengals who tackled against the Browns and Generally, I've talked about his grip strength on this podcast before. When he gets his hands on guys, he's really good at not letting go. But uh, I thought Jermaine Pratt had a pretty nice game. He stood out a few times for just doing his job in the run game. And we talked about the the box technique or the box. I don't know if technique is the right word. The box method of containing power or counter. And he did his job on those plays a few times. when he was asked to set the edge and there was nobody inside to help. Um, What else did you see from from Jermaine Pratt in this one. Yeah, gladiator technique. It's a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> you got to use it. Um, yeah, I was more talking about the idea, like the yeah, defensive box concept, yeah. yeah. Boxing so. counter.
2: It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, tackling was good. He had a few plays in the flat against tight ends. And then one play they had Jarvis Landry in the backfield and they threw a little flat or a swing pass to him and he makes a stop right at the line of scrimmage. He made, it. yeah, he did his job tackling. And like you said, grip strength is there. Me and you, I think, have both talked about, like, he's got vice grip arms. Yeah, Most guys don't get away from that. So that's cool. Uh, But, yeah, the coverage. I think his coverage has been underrated all year. And then this game, PFF starts to (laughs) really took notice. And they gave him, I think, an 80-something. But that's kind of what I've seen all year. And this game specifically, he just does a good job of when he's asked to cover a tight end across the formation. There's one play where... They tried to sneak, I believe it was Austin Hooper across the field, and then end play ends up blowing itself up because he takes that. He doesn't fall for the play action. He just he press he jams Hooper at the line and then he just follows him the rest of the way because he's a good athlete. I think people forget that he was a safety. There was a play against the Steelers where he did robot technique and he ran stride for stride with Chase Claypool on the right. over route. So yeah. he's he's having a career year still. Uh I think Logan Wilson's I think he's going to come back around. I think he's the type of player that has these spike games and then these lower games. But Pratt's been kind of consistently pretty good. And this game was another example of him. He does his job. You'll uh, probably have to play a little bit more now that Akeem Davis Gaither's hurt. So excited to see that. Uh, I thought he was probably top two defenders of the game with DJ Reader. And. That was an uh, impressive performance just a good job of rallying and tackling when he had to and man coverage when he had to and then gladiator technique and making tackles all that stuff it was it was awesome to watch
1: and unfortunately we didn't get to talk about dj reader because the browns mostly just stopped trying to run inside at some point dj reader is very consistent the guy is good at football he's good at his job and uh, very happy that we get to watch him every week Unfortunately. Not a whole lot to talk about with him in terms of impact plays in this game, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap up there. That's our film review. We're done with nine games of film review. It is the bye week, of course. We have a surprise guest coming tomorrow. So if you've stuck with us for this 35-minute episode, you're gonna definitely wanna tune in tomorrow. We've got a very fun surprise for everybody. And then later this week we've got Joe Goodberry for his mid-season thoughts and More bye week content as we continue to plan our episodes until next time. Bengals fans who and have a good one.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast.